my loves. I am so happy and so pleased to announce that this episode is brought to you by my very own company, Savage Chocolates, which is all about cultivating a more loving relationship to your body and to food. You know, we don't really believe in guilty pleasure. We just believe in pleasure done well. And have you ever had that uh, candy bar or a thing of ice cream and you eat it and you're like, wait, I don't, I don't remember eating that. (laughs) Wait, where'd that go? (laughs) Well, that's why I created Savage Chocolates because I know the importance of pleasure. And I think that we don't slow down enough to actually experience it. And so... If you are wanting to eat mindfully, if you are wanting to be reminded of how to actually experience your pleasure, then please go to www.savagelosangeles.com to order your goods. All right, you guys, let's get to it. Dr. Sam Rader, thank you so much for being on this show. I'm so excited. (laughs) This is truly a dream come true for me too. I, I, I was just telling you before the show even began how important it is for me that people know about your work because, well, and just know about you because you're a very special being um, and we're all special beings, but, but your soul and, and my soul really love each other. <laughs> um, and so I just, I'm so excited for people to get to know you and just to create a space for people to understand what you do because it's such powerful work. So can you just tell us about who you are and, and what you do and why you do it? Yeah. And the the reason, part of the reason, I mean, part of the reason I'm so excited is that I just love your guts so hard and there's no one I'd rather chit chat with. Um, and the other reason is just that I've sort of been tinkering in the basement for the last decade or more with this stuff. And it's just now at this part of my development that I'm ready to bring everything out into the world. So these moments like these are really sacred to be able to reach new hearts and new ears and new minds and new souls. Um, but yeah, so I'm Dr. Sam Rader and I'm a licensed clinical psychologist here in Los Angeles. I am the owner of Source Code Psychotherapy Center on the east side of LA where I employ and supervise therapists who I train to work in the style of therapy that I've created, which I call source code psychology. And we can go more into that later. And um, I've sort of discovered that there's only 12 ways that our childhoods can F us up, if I may say so. (laughs) Please bring it, girl. (laughs) There's really only 12 problems. If we're human and we're having a problem, emotionally, there's really only 12 of them. And I've figured out what they are and how to heal all of them. And I've done that on a sort of experiential journey where um, I believe I'm the conduit for this work because I happen to have all 12 of the wounds. And um, being able to transmute them in, in my clients, in myself, going through that journey simultaneously, it's been this incredible, you know, labyrinthine, you know, beautiful journey and getting to find the way out of each of these tangles and then be able to sort of write the treasure map to show people how to get out of each of these 12 tangles. And I have a book that I've been working on for the last 10 years about this experience and how to emerge from these 12 tangles. Um, And I finally uh, 
during COVID times, got a book deal with Harper Wave, an imprint at HarperCollins. Yes. We're going to have a beautiful book out for everyone in 2022. And in the meantime, I just want to introduce everyone to this work. So, so important and so, so powerful. I mean, we like, we all walk through this life and we're like, wow, I have this issue. Wow, I have this issue. Wow, I have this issue. Wow, I'm in these patterns. Wow, I'm, you know, stuck in the same relationship again, or I'm stuck having this same conflict again, or I'm stuck with this same boss again. And it's like, we don't even understand what's underneath the, the problems. Like we're looking at, you know, it's like, when people come to me and they're like, yeah, I have an eating disorder, I have a real problem with food. I'm like, oh no, no, no. Like the problem, like the food isn't, isn't the problem. The food is a symptom exactly. of the problem. And so exactly. to look at these actual fucking problems, it's yeah. like, let's just get to the root. Like, let's just get yes. to the root. Yeah. So yeah. So when we see ourselves in these patterns, but we don't really know how to name it, um, it, it, it keeps us in that stuckness. And, um, when you can recognize yourself in these, what I call coping styles, these 12 tangles, they help explain why we get stuck in these patterns. And then what's even more insidious than that is that some of us don't even recognize we're in a painful pattern because it's been us our whole lives. So we just think, oh, this is just me. This is just my personality. I'm just self-conscious or I'm just, um, you know, an alien to this world and don't feel like I belong. That's Mm -hmm. just me. And we don't realize that it's actually sort of an invisible prison that we're living inside of. Everybody start to pay attention. So who are we, who do you think we really are without all the coping styles? Well, I mean, at the, at the core, I think we're all just source energy, you know, the beautiful oneness that unites all of us that encompasses every flavor every texture, every archetype that ever was or will be, we have, you know, multitudes within us. Um, so we're the infinite and, and, and I think the truest aspects of, of that are joy and presence and, and like a wholeness, right. But these coping styles get in our way. Yes. And each of these coping styles is a specific reaction to an unmet need during our childhood development. Do you think it would be helpful for me to talk? I was just going to ask. I was just going <laughs> to ask, girl, you, you read my mind. Can you talk to us about where they stem from? And maybe let's like go through a few of, or actually if you have, I mean, if you have time since we're here, um, <laughs> just go through the 12 and especially you guys also like truth, truth time, my little savages out there. So last time we spoke about this, she like laid it on me that there was a 12th coping style because that's actually new. So it's brand speaking. These yeah. things just start revealing themselves to me and, and throwing me for major loops. Um, yeah, let me, let me get to that in a second. So, okay. So source code <laughs> psychology, right? I call it that because I believe that in our first five years of life, our early experience writes a source code in our unconscious, which then determines the rest of the way that our stories unfold. So when we're children, we're like little sponges and we're soaking up everything we learn from our environments about how we're seen, how we're related with, how other people relate, uh, what, how the world functions. All of that is based on our specific early environment, but we think this is just who I am and this is just who the world is, but actually we're just being imprinted upon by our early experience. 
um, in computer language, a source code is the fundamental uh, program that sort of informs how a whole, how the software will run, right? So our source code gets programmed by our early experience in our first five years of life. And then we just keep living out the same dramas, the same patterns, the same ideas of ourselves from that point forward. So what I do is I climb inside the matrix, I find the glitches in the code, and I help people rewrite their source code for a healthier, more beautiful life. And I really like the double entendre of source code, meaning computer language, but also source, you know, the, the beautiful sacred energy that unites us all, um, the place from which we spring forth and return to, um, that, that when we can get our coding into alignment, we can embody more of the source energy that we, that we truly are. So So good. So good. (laughs) We all need it. And like, we all just want, you know, something that's so interesting too, before, before we get into kind of the specifics and the nuts and bolts of, of the coping styles, like I will say as someone who is coming out of certain coping styles that I have learned about from you, Mm -hmm. um, it's not, oh, it's so funny because it's like, we know that there's a better way. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we know like, oh, this isn't working for me anymore. Like my premature wound is like not fucking working for me anymore. Like I'm exhausted. <laughs> like my frictive wound, not it. Like not interested. <laughs> like they both are so hardcore. But I will also say that coming out of it, despite the fact that I know it is like for my highest good, it's a little uncomfortable to make different oh, it's, choices. It's terrifying because each yeah. one, each emergence is an ego death. Because even though it's painful to be frictive or premature, and we'll explain to your audience in a moment what each of those coping styles are, but even though each of these things are painful in their own right, they're all we've ever known of ourselves. They're our full identity. And so when you strip away that, and of course, beneath is the infinite, but that's, there's so much spaciousness in that, so much unknown in that. Like who the F am I? Who the F am I? If I'm not the energizer bunny, if I'm not the one who takes care of everyone, who am I? Right. It's a, it's a major frightening ego death. Every time I've had to emerge from one of these wounds, holy moly, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's so, it's like, this is such a trite um, analogy, but you know, when you like detox sugar, like if you do Mm -hmm. like a cleanse Mm -hmm. and you're like, I know that this is like the right thing to do. Like, this is going to be really good for my liver. Like my skin's going to clear up whenever, but like the first four days you're like, I have a headache. I feel exhausted. Like I'm blown out. Like all I think about is freaking sweet tarts. Like, you know what I mean? Like It's like that. You're like, I know that this is the right thing to do, but I'm detoxing this thing that like is poison. Mm -hmm. But all it makes me want to do is like crawl back. Mm-hmm. and like have that thing. It's mm-hmm. it's just such like, so for those of you listening, if you're trying to make a shift and it feels feels wrong to make a shift, like, ooh, this doesn't feel safe. Like sometimes that's for the highest good. Yeah. And I'm sure all of your listeners are out there making their own shifts. They just yes. don't slap onto it the labels that I've created, these, you know, 12 things. And, you know, Carl Jung talked about the liminal space, which is the in-between where, it's, you know, it's time for you to cast off from that old familiar shore because it's the old way is just not working anymore. Yeah. But it's scary because when you, when you cast off for a time, you're adrift and you don't know 
where you'll land, when you'll get there, what it'll be like. You just have to, you just have to surrender or feel the incredible fear of, of drifting in the unknown of, I don't know who I am. I know that old version of me is really, really painful. I don't want to do that anymore, but I don't know. I don't know what I will be on the other side of this metamorphosis. I've found every single time it's way better on the other side, (laughs) (laughs) way better, like so worth it. Yeah. But, but quite the odyssey in between. Yes. Okay. So now that we've made everyone wait, can we go through some of the styles or all of them? If Sure. So yeah. So the way that I understand it and my training is in psychoanalysis and depth therapy. So we look at, you know, the unconscious and how the personality gets formed by the early experience. The way I understand it is that when we're born, we go through certain psychological developmental phases and we're sort of born hardwired And it's very universal, by the way, across all cultures, across all socioeconomic statuses. We're born hardwired to be learning a certain lesson or integrating a certain part of ourselves at each of these significant developmental stages. If the parenting we get supports us during that phase, we're able to integrate that part of ourselves and move right along and mature right? But if for whatever reason, the parenting didn't support that, which by the way, it's not necessarily our parents' quote unquote fault. First of all, no one knows about this developmental stuff. It's not in the populace, which it should be. This should be the first thing we learn about in school. And second of all, our parents are dealing with their own coping styles that they're unconscious of and have been passed down through generations and generations. Victims of victims of victims of victims of victims of victims. Hurt people, hurt people. Yes. Yes. But when we don't, when we, when we get what we need, you know, it, we, we, we integrate, we mature. When we don't get what we need at any one of these little de- developmental stages, we have to adapt by adopting a coping style. We have to find a way to cope with an environment that's not fully supporting our wholeness. And that coping becomes a sort of psychophysiological, spiritual, emotional uh, bracing around a certain, you know, way of life and then that becomes what we think is our personality. And it's a reaction to an environment that didn't support us, but we carry that with us and we keep reacting to that old environment, even though our new environment uh, is so neutral. And as adults, we really have the capacity to become and, and own and embody whatever the heck we want, yeah. but we're still reacting and bracing against the old wounding. And we're still trying to cope with something that's not there anymore. Um, yeah, that's so, so that's, real. Yeah, that's the beauty of, of emerging from these coping styles. Oh my God. Well, it's like they say, if it's hysterical, it's historical. Mm-hmm. And like when we're just in that reactivity state and and we just again, we just react in whatever way. It's, it's yeah. old. It's old since fetushood. Yeah. yeah. It's so embedded in us. We just don't know any other way to the point where we literally don't, some people don't even know that there's another way. They don't even know they're in pain right. because they don't even know that the alternative exists because their whole lives, they've been entrenched in certain ways of feeling and, and existing. Wow. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I know that you have all 12 or have <laughs> moved through all 12. Hey, in yes. recovery. In reco- <laughs> it's a lifelong process, I'm sure. But thank God, honestly, yeah. how boring it would be if it was all just like, did it. 
I'm totally. perfect now. Totally. Um, I'm fucking killing it. Bye. Um, I'm perfectly integrated in I'm perfectly, Yes. I'm I am Mary Poppins. Full on, like just, just a spoonful of sugar. Um, but what were some of your like highlight coping styles and what did that look like? Like, like mine, as I mentioned, premature and frictive are my two like daily basis yeah. coping styles that I come up against. I would love for you to mm. maybe elaborate on those two selfishly. Oh um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's talk about those. If you don't mind, I would love that. And that's very premature of me, if you don't mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, elaborate on those and what those maybe looked like on you. And then I'll tell you, you already know what they look like on me, but oh, okay. I'll, Great. I'll tell the yeah, Let's talk about those. So, um, so yeah, so at each phase of development, and maybe I should just give a little like one-liner for each of the wounds. So people are like, oh, oh, that's another phase of development. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. Okay. Let me just go through super quick. Please. The speed, speed round of speed coping round. styles. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done it this quick. So let's, let's see. So when we're born, our first phase of development is trying to figure out if we're safe here on planet earth and if it's a fit. Um, that's the first thing we learn when we're born. Not, not and, a fit. Right. If, if, uh, if our caregivers respond to our cues of letting them know what we're thinking and needing and feeling as newborns, and they're, they're sort of picking up what we're putting down and they get us, then we feel connected. We feel connected to ourselves, to them, to the world at large. We feel we belong. It's a fit. We're good. Oh. If for whatever reason that loop of communication was broken, they were inserting things into our world that didn't match. Our insides didn't match our outsides. We needed one thing. They gave us another thing. We had one emotional tone. They met us in a different emotional tone. For whatever reason, if we were out of sync, then we become what I call the disconnected coping style. There's a few different subtypes of disconnected. Um, masked is when we learn to over-attune to the other person. Floaty is when we float away on a cloud of endorphins and we're very spacey. Stiff is when we sort of tense up and, and turn away and eye contact is hard. Contact in general is hard. And flighty is when we <clears throat> just move from place to place and it's really hard to land or commit or say anything's quite the right fit. So, you know, disconnected people live their whole lives thinking, um, I'm sort of an alien on earth. I'm an observer. I don't belong here. I, I was born at the wrong place at the wrong time. But it was actually just because we didn't feel understood as infants, Whoa. newborns. So that's oh, for my all Lord. my aliens, all my aliens. There you go. <laughs> Join the club. Yeah, welcome. Um, and so, is it too much to go through all of them? It's going to take no. forever. Is it too much? Okay. Fuck no, I, I want all of it. And everyone needs to understand these. These are a big deal. These are all big. a big deal. And I can't yeah. believe I'm just going to give these morsels and then people are going to go, wait, but what do I do? That's me. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get the book. You got well, yeah. And the sign book. up for your course. Yeah. So there's a One few of many. The book will come out next year. If you go to my website, you can download the, pre, the free coping styles pocket guide, which tells you a little bit more about each one and gives you journaling prompts for, for starting to the healing process. Dope. And I'm also starting to offer workshops on each of the styles. So I've got a workshop coming up on the premature style on May 1st. <laughs> Queen. Queen. Um, awesome. So yeah, slowly but surely, we will all, we will all emerge together. So this, the second wound we can have as newborns, 
um, I call frictive. So one of the things we're looking for at that phase of development is a sense of existing <laughs> and existing in a way that doesn't uh, change with the weather, like um, mattering, having matter, you know, having a body, having skin. Um, and the way that we get that sense is through containment physiological containment and emotional containment from our parents. We need a lot of skin on skin, firm, uh, consistent touch, holding, and also a lot of emotional consistency, calmness, presence. We need a lot of presence, calmness, and, and containment. And if so, then we you know, feel that we exist as a fact and we can just be spacious in life, which is the antidote. If, if we didn't get that, any of that for whatever reason, we adopt what I call the frictive coping style. So we feel forever at risk of coming apart, um, being annihilated, um, falling through space with nothing to catch us, fragmenting. And so in order to keep ourselves here and alive and existing, we have to create a friction that keeps us tethered to this world because we feel like an untethered balloon that could just disappear. Yeah. And the ways we create friction, if we're an externalized frictive is there's a lot of drama, a lot of intensity, a lot of, you know, going and doing. If we're an internalized frictive, it's fast thoughts, fast this. And if we're frictive, we, we basically fill up our schedule so that there's never an empty space. We, we cannot really tolerate any empty space or time. We cannot tolerate the pause because in the pause, it feels like we're dying in a very primitive newborn existential way. We feel phobic of stillness and silence because it feels like in those spaces, we will truly disappear. We will be disappeared. Yes, Clay. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, that's, that's very, that's so me. I mean, that, that's part of the reason I became a yoga and meditation teacher because yeah. I was like, I need, I need to find some spaciousness. Yeah. And some containment, right? On that yoga mat, it's, it's like, it gives you that six foot by two foot area. Yeah. Like this is where I exist. I'm being held by this. Yes. I'm being pressed on by the womb, like atmospheric music in the room, the teacher's voice guiding me yes. through the poses, each pose. I feel my muscles, my skin, that's all containing. That's a very containing experience for a frictive. And then we feel, we feel how we feel safe. We feel, you know, that's so real too. I actually never thought about that in terms of physical movement. It is so containing actually to so move my body. Yeah. Like that's where I feel um, like I have to force myself to take a day off of exercise every week mm -hmm. um, because it feels like my skin's on fire if I don't, if I'm not moving. Exactly. We're, being frictive is kind of like being the static between channels on the radio. Mm -hmm. Like you're just... <sighs> You know, yeah. that you're not in focus yes. and then you're dying for someone to just squeeze you because when you're squeezed, it's yes. like, it's, it's as if you can hear the, 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 the clear frequency comes through and you're, the, you're there and you're, you exist and it's safe. Right. And, and yoga gives us that same sensation of feeling squeezed. We're, you know, we're hugging to the midline We're we're feeling our muscles, hug our bones. We're being squeezed by ourselves. Yes. And so we feel safe. 
So that's mine, everyone. One of them. <laughs> have you guys noticed that Alexa likes to go and do and achieve and have 10 businesses and at one time and no assistance? No, no assistance. I don't do that. I don't do that yet. Still don't. Has anyone, has anyone clocked that feature of Alexa? If you haven't, there you go. <laughs> When she's not running 10 businesses, she's yeah. baking for all of her <laughs> I do make a fierce chocolate cake. <laughs> I mean, it's very true story. It's, it's good. It's really good. <laughs> it's funny because Alexa's premature and frictive wounds have married together to create a really interesting flavor. And that's what happens too with the wounds. Oh, and if I hadn't mentioned this, we all have at least one, usually a handful, sometimes nearly all of them. So there's no one who got out alive. There's no one who had a perfectly childhood. Yeah. So um, yeah, we just, no parent is like good enough in every single category. There's just like, I mean, I haven't met anyone yet with no wounds. Um, No, I don't think it's a thing. Maybe a a brand new newborn, but even that. Yeah. And, And so when we have several wounds, they can sometimes gum up on each other and create sort of meta characters in us. So you're frictive and premature. Well, we'll get to premature later, but the, the part that doesn't have an assistant and bakes cakes all day and all that, that's both going together, right? Yes. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> I just live for the fact that cake is my thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, hashtag baking. Hashtag baking. Hashtag savage <laughs> chocolate turn into cake. It's, fan. it's fantastic. Let's it's clear. honestly the best thing I've ever, I kept it in my fridge for like, two weeks and portioned out a little bit every morning for breakfast. <laughs> Girl, I know, I know you were so cute with it and it is your birthday coming up and I will, that is not a premature situation. That's just me genuinely wanting to bake you a cake. I will accept your birthday gift. Fantastic. I'm ready. <laughs> but no, no other premature exploitation. I won't do it. Awesome. Okay. okay All right. Beautiful. So we're two styles down, 10 to go. Sickening. I'm is so here for it. Never. You're okay. never too much. I want all of it. I don't care if it's a fucking four-hour episode. Let's go nuts. Oh, queen. Okay, so moving out of the newborn territory yes. and into infancy. Let's go into infancy. So one of the things we're learning as infants is whether we're safe, um, not in that sort of existential way as frictive and, and disconnected, but... Um, I mean, it's still an existential piece, but it's, it's more of like a relational existential, like it, it is this world, is anything going to come in and infect us or harm us? Right. And, um, part of that is also, can we feel bad things and still be okay? Can we find a way to metabolize bad feelings, recognize them as feelings and know that we're not dying? Because if you think about an infant, um, you know, a bright, you know, someone opens the curtain and bright sunlight comes in and they're like, ah! You know, like everything <laughs> feels life-threatening Yes, to oh, an yeah. infant. There's no um, right-sizing anything, right? So we need our parents to be able to hold us through our painful feelings while um, allowing us to, to know that it's okay to not feel okay sometimes. And also helping us what's called mentalize our internal state, mm-hmm. which means if the sunlight comes in and we start screaming saying, Oh, the sunlight came in and it was bright and it hurt your eyes and it made you feel scared. Oh honey, you felt scared of that sunlight, right? That's them um, narrating our internal world so that we know we have an internal world. 
if they don't do that, then because as infants, we're in a contiguous state where we are one with everything. We, we don't yet have a self. We haven't yet determined there's a, a, a thing that's me that's separate from everything else, right? Yes. When they say, oh, you felt scared in there because you're a you and there's an mm. in there and it's a feeling and the feeling can be held and soothed and moved through, right? Wow. That furnishes us with a sense of self and it furnishes us with the capacity to um, hold the good with the bad, know that the bad is all okay, right? If we didn't get that, we adopt what I call the omnipotent coping style. So we still feel fused with our whole world. Uh, we're very highly sensitive to absolutely everything, the temperature, the noises, what people are doing around us. We still feel like it is me. Everything that is, is me. And that the only way, and, the, and, the, and that anything could be life-threatening, a loud noise. It's so upsetting to us. We have a hair trigger um, level of sensitivity and, and anger. And it feels like the only way to manage that is to try to control everything and be omni, all potent, powerful, to, to treat the whole world as if it's an extension of us and try to manage. And there's a big split in the omnipotent psyche. So good versus bad. We don't know how to hold the two together. If something feels good, then we're a happy baby and all is right in the world. And if something feels bad, if someone moved our thing to the place we didn't want it moved, we're like, ah, why'd you do that? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, it feels like life and death. Yeah. So, you know, for those of us and omnipotent is one of my core wounds. I'm a little dictator. Um, <laughs> I, I resonate with omnipotent as well. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're confusing because people are like, why are they the nicest person? But then they can just snap so easily or, yeah. you know, you know, it's that. So, um, so that's, that's, that's another infant wound. Wow. And we emerged from that by growing our psychic skin and learning how to align, which means adjusting to the world instead of the world needing to adjust to us. Um, yeah, that's a big one. Growing that psychic skin, man, that is so serious. Isn't it? But it, you know, it really does work. Like once you, once you start to be able to say, it's okay, I don't feel okay. And it's, it's kind of like you grow a callus and then you yeah. do stop being quite as sensitive to things. Like, I, I went on vacation recently and I'm like, I hate electronic music. Like, you know, and I was in Tulum and everyone was everywhere. Of and I was like, Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's not bothering me. Wait, yeah. it's not, it's not bothering me. <laughs> I don't want to punch someone in the throat. That's amazing. Holy yeah. back. It's not bothering me. Yes. yes. <laughs> like I'm, I, I am growing psych skin and I am able to tolerate things that I don't like, whereas before I would be like, get me out of here. This is killing me. You know? Yeah. And oh, now yeah. I'm like, well, oh, it's kind of, you know, still not my favorite, but it's, it's what I can deal. People are vibing out. I'm okay. There's some perspective, right. Yes. And there's some separateness. Like I'm still me. I'm still okay. The music is not me. The music will come to an end at some point. It's not an infantile experience, yes. you know? Oh God, that's such a beautiful distinction. And I didn't, I don't think I realized that about omnipotent, of that kind of like uh, the quick to anger, like quick to reactivity thing. I didn't, I don't know why I didn't really. And also place. quick to be soothed. We're just like infants. Yes. So it's like, we're, we can get so upset. Oh no, I hate that noise. But as soon as someone turns it off, we're, we're like, like oh. oh, thanks. You want to cuddle? Like yeah. we don't hold grudges. We're not moody, yeah. right? We're just, we're very reactive to our the environment. When pendulum our environment, swings. Yeah, when our environment feels good, we're like, the coziest, happiest people and where our environment feels bad, we feel like we could kill someone if it doesn't 
change <laughs> to feel serve. good again. Yeah. yeah. It's so yeah. interesting. Thank you for explaining that. God, that's so helpful. Yeah, it's really good. God, I want to hear you guys in, uh, please leave a review for this episode and let us know which coping styles you you resonate the most with. I really want to see what, where people are at. Mm, that would be fun. I people really always ask see. me, are there ones that are more prevalent? And I actually don't think there are. I think they're all kind of equal opportunity. I think, mm. I think we, you know, everyone has a, a smattering of them and just as likely to have one as another, you know? Wow. Yeah. Wild. Should we keep going? Is Let's this... keep going. Okay. I want to hear more. So another infantile wound I call deprived. And, um, another one of mine. Oh, this is a really tough one. So, um, how do I explain this? When we're that age, we're looking in our feeding, right? And whether we were breastfed or bottle fed, it's all the proverbial breast, right? We're looking for a relationship with the breast that's nourishing, not only on the caloric level, like, yes, we're getting enough milk to, to survive, but also that the feeding is done with a certain level of caring and warmth and interest and presence that makes us feel like our hunger draws toward us something good and then fills us up with good loving care. So our hunger must be a good part of us and we must be good because without having to do anything, good things show up for us, right? Yeah. And if for whatever reason, our parent was distracted or self-involved or in a negative space or whatever, then we either, we had to sort of take in what I would call the bad milk. We didn't get to get the good milk. So the bad milk could either be um, kind of the back turn toward us, uh, neglectful, like we're, we don't matter. We don't, we don't draw the care toward us. Here, take your bottle and whatever. Or it could be that our parents were filled with so much anxiety or sorrow or something that we had to ingest that icky stuff along with the milk. For whatever reason, we sort of got a, a bad experience of, of, of food. And so in the same way that when we're born, our, our physiological digestive tracts have to be taught how to, how to digest food because in utero, we were fed through the umbilicus. Um, and, you know, the first few months of life is a literal shit show, burping, farting, sharding, spit up, you know, amazingness, yeah. diarrhea. Um, in the same way, our, our emotional digestive tract gets trained up to digest whatever kind of emotional food we're getting. So if we're getting the good food, we learn how to digest that. And if we're getting the quote unquote bad food, we learn how to digest that. And if we're deprived, we only know how to feed on the bad milk. So we know how to feed on sorrow, self-pity, bitterness, pain, loneliness, these are the only things we kind of know how to feed on. So we seek it out unconsciously. We make a meal of bad feelings. Um, and when someone ever tries to give us the good stuff, we don't know how to digest it. We don't know where to put it. We don't know what to do with it. So we either have to spit it out. No, you don't really love me. Or somehow turn it sour. You know, you only love me because I paid for your dinner. You know, there's, there's just a sort of... Um, fixation on the negative because that negative feeling was what we were raised with since infancy. And so that's our sort of bread and butter. And, and that's what we know how to digest. Um, and so when we're, when we're deprived, we don't feel good inside. We feel empty or bad inside. We, we believe we're broken in some way. Um, there's something fundamentally wrong with us. And so 
if we are going to get any care, which we need, we all need care, we're going to have to steal it because we don't believe that we're so filled with something good that someone would just be naturally drawn toward us and want to give us care. We're going to have to find a way to sort of manipulate to get care. So we can do that by playing wounded, being the victim. We can do that by being elusive, playing hard to get, come chase me. We can do that by um, stockpiling, like, you know, having like tons of backups of the backups of products, but also friends and jobs. And well, if this one drops out, I'll have to have another one. We can be scavenging, which is sort of taking when, when people aren't looking, we can be charming, which is sort of working the room to get what we need, or we can be indispensable, which is, um, collecting people who need us in a special way so that, um, you know, they'll, they can't leave us because they need us. Right. So that's the deprived wound in a nutshell. That one's so fucking dark. Like, honestly. It is. It's one of the two darkest styles. What do you think the other darkest one is? Frustrated. Yeah. They're both, I mean, if you want to call a spade a spade, they're both masochism, right? There's a, there's a pleasure in the pain. Feeling good somehow feels bad. Yeah. Um, There's there's an unconscious seeking out of bad feelings. So uh, everything you just said is like, whoa, and so amazing. And I just like, just so baffled at how this all comes through you. But, um, but something, something just went off on me too, about my relationship to hunger. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, now that I've like emerged from being anorexic, like Mm -hmm. my relationship to hunger is like, really feels like PTSD. Mm. Like I really, like being hungry is like, it's not like hangry, like, oh, hashtag hangry. Like it's, like, it's, I feel like shaky. Like it's really, really scary for me. Whereas I used to actually like get off on the feeling of hunger. So what's scary about it? What's the fear? If we really go closer to it. Yeah. I think there's a, I, I think there's a part of it that feels like I'll die. Um, because, like I said, it feels reactive in that like PTSD sense, like the, and probably because I did almost die as a baby from failure to thrive. And then I almost died of anorexia. So I think the starvation like really did almost kill me. And so now when I'm hungry, it's like, oh, quick, 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 like fix it, fix it, fix it. Mm. I think there's a level of that. Um, which also, by the way, to, to be really nuanced here, sounds like that omnipotent wound that any, 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 um, frustrated feeling feels intolerable, right? Like any, any feeling that feels bad feels intolerable and has to be fixed, fixed or changed right away. Immediately. So, um, so hunger now feels intolerable. Yes. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm similar with eating because of my omnipotence. Like if I'm hungry, I gotta eat right away. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I see people and they're like, yeah, I've been hungry for the last hour. I'm like, did you not just fucking get a snack? Like, (laughs) yeah, because there's no patience in omnipotence and there's no um, perspective. There's no like, well, I can have a snack in an hour. It's like hunger is need to eat now. Now. Because now is all that exists for the omnipotent. There's no capacity to know about later. And that's as we... As we emerge from omnipotent, we, we start to grow that capacity to, to, to have patience. So again, it's like the, it's, it's the, it's the melting pot 
it's like all of mine have kind of they've married together. Married. Yeah, that's what happens is is they 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 create a little tangle. Like when a necklace has yeah. all these tangles in it, and you've got to, you're working on one knot, but as you start to loosen it, this other knot comes tighter, and and then you have to work on Shit. that one. Yes. And that's what it's like being the therapist working through the coping styles. That's what the source code therapists do at my center is we, we work through the coping styles one by one. And as we're healing one, another one emerges and we start to work on that. And it's a whole beautiful journey of the onion, layers of the onion peeling back. Yes. It's a little whack-a-mole-ish until until the game is over. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a whole journey. It's so beautiful though. A beautiful game of whack-a-mole. A beautiful game. A sensual, <laughs> a sensual, empowering, healing version of guacamole. <laughs> Soft like guacamole, <laughs> like guacamole. <laughs> we put the guacamole in the guacamole. guacamole. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we're just going with my coping style of deprived slash omnipotent. Got to talk about food, guacamole. Oh um, okay. So deprived is super fucking dark. It's Frustrated so dark. is also super fucking dark. Fucking Can you dark. talk to us a little we, we bit? D- we don't have time to go through all of these, do we? Probably, I, mean, I mean, maybe not. I mean, whatever. Let's, we can, let's, let's get through as many as we do and then we'll be like, to be continued. I think we just have to have you back on. Okay, queen. But why don't we, why don't we do premature since that's the one that's your chorist wound. That's my chorist. And also because that's the workshop on May 1st. <sighs> let's finish with premature. We'll start premature now. Okay, my queen. So premature, we're, we're, we're moving right along down that timeline. We're yes. in toddlerhood now. Mm-hmm. So toddlerhood is, um, you know, a year and a half to three years old. And it's this wonderful in-between time between being a baby and a big kid. So we're starting to walk and talk and do things on our own for the very first time. Before then, we were just a little helpless lump of flesh, completely dependent on our caregivers to do everything for us. Toddlerhood is this newfound emergence into independence, but it's, it's, a, it's a reckoning or a negotiation between independence and dependence, bigness and smallness, because mm. yes, we can pull ourselves up onto a chair for the first time, but we can't really like cook ourselves the dinner or like, you know what I mean? Like there's, we, we're not really big. We're, 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 we're in between. Yeah, And so what we need during toddlerhood in order to get that good enough support from our caregivers that allows us to emerge without a hitch is we need to be honored in our bigness, the ways that we can do things on our own for the first time. And we also need to be honored for our smallness when we toddle back to our caregivers and need that holding and feeding. Sometimes we're still breastfeeding at that age, you know, but even if we're not literally breastfeeding, we still don't have all of our baby teeth grown in yet. And we need a lot of holding and tenderness and emotional feeding from our caregiver of, yes, you're my big boy who can do big things, but you're also my little boy who needs me both. We need both, both parts honored we have the premature wound, the part that needed, that needed the holding and needed to experience healthy dependence got thwarted. For whatever reason, once we could walk and talk, it was like, okay, you're good. You're a big kid now. Right. You know, we were praised for our precociousness and we may have even been recruited to caretake people in our family. Oftentimes we're premature if we had a sibling born when we were one and a half to three years old. And it's like, you've got to be a big boy now. You're the Mm. big brother. Your siblings, the real baby, that's the one who gets the breast. That's the one that gets the holding. And you need to help out. 
And if you help out, then you're good and you're loved, right? Um, We also may have been asked to take care of our parents if they were, you know, disordered in some way or an addict or whatever, or maybe a special needs person in the family. But we were often recruited to care for others when we were so very little and we still needed care. We were still babies in our own right. But we learned how to buck up, not need and take care of others and be big and be expansive and sort of superhuman and play the role of hero and rescuer and caretaker. Are you tearing up, my queen? A little bit. <laughs> What's this feeling? No, it's good. It's just, it's so, it's, it's so sad, you know, to think of, like, I was just thinking as you were talking, like, there are just, like, I don't really have very many memories of being three. You know, I know many people don't, but I do have, like, tidbits and moments, and there was always just this, like, hyper- independence like even dancing at my mom's dance studio it was like oh I'm I'm her daughter so I'll show you around like literally you know like being a three-year-old like showing everybody the dance studio mm-hmm. <laughs> you know Absolutely. like yeah. and it was so cute mm-hmm. and know? it is the precocious is. part of a three-year-old is cute yeah. but are you also allowed to be ugly and messy and snotty and cry and right. want and need and mommy 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 feed me yeah. Or not. Right. And if we're premature, the reason I call it the premature wound is in the same way that a newborn can be born prematurely before they're really ready for the world. A toddler can be thrust into a faux maturity prematurely. You're a big kid now. Show people around the dance studio. Right. Don't don't need me. I right. need you. I need you to be a big girl. Yeah. So we get this incredible need dysmorphia when we're premature. We really think that our needs are much bigger and more grotesque than they really are. We feel very ashamed for having any needs. And it's totally okay if someone else needs something. We love being able to give them what they need. Totally. But if we need anything, it feels so shameful and scary and we really try to hide it. And it shows up with our relationship with food. We often also have body dysmorphia. You know, we worry about being too much for others and that too muchness gets concretized in I'm too fat, right? And um, we, we learn how to receive care vicariously by caring for others. So the only way we get to feel fed emotionally is when we're feeding others. And it's really hard for us to reverse the poles and know how to receive. Different from the dis, uh, deprived. Yeah. So when, when you finally do convince a premature person, no, it's okay, take a sip, you're allowed they do know what to do with the good milk and it feels good and it fills them up, you know, as opposed to the deprived who have to sort of spit it out or turn it sour. Mm. So the deprived is a relationship with the bad breast Mm. and the premature is a relationship with the good breast where we were weaned too soon. So wild and so powerful. I, um, so I've explored a bit with plant medicine and, and things of that nature. And I remember, and I talk about it on here quite a bit. Um, and I once was in a medicine journey with psilocybin and I asked to see my, that, that need, that neediness and what it, and it showed me what it felt like in me. And it was just a tunnel never ending. Like what it felt like was like a tunnel, like this dark, like it looked almost like leather, like like a leather tunnel that just was like 
infinite. And I know that that's not it. Well, well, you know, (laughs) that's what it felt like. Well, but I'm so glad you're naming this because this exactly, you're exactly naming the, the premature wound experience, which is I'm needy if I need, and my hunger is never ending. I'm a bottomless pit. Bottomless pit. But let that me was explain it. why you feel that way. I really want to help you with Thank this. Thank you. So <laughs> when we need as toddlers and we know we can't get that need met and we have to hide it and not, not get it met, then needing and hunger is paired with not feeding. So hunger is paired with a bottomless pit feeling. My hunger doesn't lead to satiation. Not, and so we um, erroneously believe I can't be satiated. There's something unsatiable in me. I am a wow. never ending pit of hunger. Yes. No, you're not. Right. <laughs> you actually just haven't been fed. And in fact, it's such dysmorphia. It actually makes me a little bit angry. This, this is, it's like so wrong yeah. that you yeah. would feel that way because in actuality, premature people are the easiest babies to feed. Because in the same way that when you don't eat for a while, your literal stomach shrinks Mm -hmm. and then you don't need as much food to feel full. Yeah. As prematures, you give them a morsel of love and they go, oh oh my God, that's that's it. I'm so full, like yum, right? And it's it's so easy to feed you and and, and other premature people. That that bottomless hunger thing is just because you haven't fed the hunger. And so you don't know what fullness feels like. And coming out of premature, pretty much the number one shift is starting to develop a relationship with fullness, eating until you're full, both literally and emotionally. Yes. Taking in enough to get you to full. There's this fear, but if I need, I'll be too much and I'll be never ending and it'll be needy. But the Mm -hmm. difference between being needy and having a need is that a need gets satiated. Being needy means taking and taking and taking and never feeling grateful and never feeling full. And that's not you. No. Okay. So for those of you who resonate with the premature wound, which by the way, if you are a listener of mine or a student of mine, I can pretty much guarantee that that's something that resonates with you <laughs> because like attracts like, honey. <laughs> that, and I've taught in like the biggest cities in the world. Like it's a bunch of people like trying to make it. Like I, I see you, honey. Don't pretend it's not you. Um, can you talk to us about your workshop that's coming up May 1st? And your call that's happening, the Zoom session that we can maybe find out more because it's oh, true. Yeah. I just realized that we've been talking for the last almost an hour and I usually <laughs> to keep these to 40 minutes. So I hope you guys are still here. <laughs> Feeling nourished. Um, yeah, so the, the workshop is called Becoming Nourished and yes. being nourished is the antidote to premature. So um, it'll be May 1st and uh, we'll send out a video before we meet live it's an hour long video of me explaining in detail all about the premature wound, how it gets formed, how it shows up in you now and what the healing strategies are. And then we'll do a two hour experiential intimate Zoom where we do embodiment practices and experiential healing and sharing and um, you know, really kind of like 
pairing off and helping each other and being mirrors for each other and chatting and group discussion. It's going to be so sacred. I, when I designed it, I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is it. This is it. Ooh. Like, it's so yummy. It's so nourishing. So that'll be, that's May 1st. And, awesome. um, you know, I guess we give all the links and everything at the end, but oh yeah, I want and it then, all. Uh, this, this coming Tuesday, the 27th. Yes. Um, and this will probably come out Monday the 26th, so that's perfect. Oh, well, hell, there you go. So yeah. tomorrow yeah, yeah. at 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, I'm actually hosting a free live Zoom Q&A with me because I just feel like the whole Instagram thing is so impersonal. And I have so many lovely little like comment chat back and forth, but it's like one line and it's, it's kind of, you don't even know who you're talking to. Yeah. And so I just wanted to deepen the relationship with people who are curious about why they are the way they are and what we can do about it. And I wanted to make myself available of like, hi, let's, I want to see your face. I want to feel you. I want you to be able to feel felt. I want you to be able to feel supported beyond just like having a free, you know, pocket guide where you can journal on your own, which is lovely. And I'm super proud of that, but, but I want to, I want to make myself available. I want to deepen connections um, with people who, who want support. Thank you for doing the work on yourself and emerging from these coping styles so that you can help us do the same. I'm really grateful. You're welcome. I I feel really grateful to have been the conduit, um, to have had the opportunity to heal some of this stuff and become aware of it. It's, it's not for the faint of heart, but, um, but it's holy. Completely holy and holy Mm. and guacamole. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Sam Raider. Okay. Wait, before we get your, before we get like where we can connect you and of course I'll put it in the show notes as well. So people can just be like, think, click. Um, I just want to do a rapid fire round with you, which is basically me asking you totally superfluous, ridiculous questions. You can just tell me which one you prefer. Yes. Okay, great. (laughs) Coffee or tea? Tea. Sex or sleep? Oh my God. I know, rude. Oh, oh sleep. I do well, not do well if I don't sleep. I No, that's real. Yeah. You're like, no, I, I get that. I get that. <laughs> I really do. I totally get that. Mexico or Europe? Mexico. Right now I'm the most grateful for. Support in my life. Hmm. You have so much. Oh, You're it's so bonkers right now. I've never felt so supported. I didn't even know it was possible to feel this supported. Beautiful. Sparkling or still water? Sparkling. Beautiful. Um, Okay, it's a Friday night. Are you going to a movie or are you going out to dinner? These are too hard. I know, so rude. I guess dinner because I like talking. Light or dark chocolate? Light, dude. I'm sorry. I know Savage is dark. It's okay. It's like the cream, you know, I drink half and half. You have a cream thing. Yeah. I I literally drink half and half. No, I totally am with you. I get it. I totally get it. Um, And then to me, pleasure is Mm. embodiment. Where can we connect to you? Okay. So my website is triple dubs. (laughs) <laughs> drsamrader.com that's d-r-s-a-m-r-a-d-e-r.com my instagram is at drsamrader this is spelled the same way and i guess that's it and if you you know perfect if you go to the 
website, there's a workshops tab and the Becoming Nourished workshop is there and the live Zoom Q&A, you can um, uh, reserve a spot there as well. And if you go to my Instagram, please follow me on Instagram. I'm trying to build that following and I'm so excited right. about, you know, like, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's boost her up. I've been on there for up. a year and it's like, algorithms are hard and like, yeah, I need awesome. to be nourished. Like come, come nourish me and I'll nourish you and it'll be a loop of nourishment. It's a mutual nourishment. Yes. Um, but yeah, if on Instagram, I have a link tree that you can also navigate to those things. But Alexa, I'm so grateful. I love you. I love you so much. This Thank you. So, so sweet. I could feel us really tapping into the, the flow. So honored to walk beside you, my sister. Everyone yeah. check out Dr. Sam Rader and her beautiful wisdom. I am so grateful to know you. And to you. All right, you guys, thank you so much for carving out the time to listen to this wisdom, to listen to uh, all this goodness. Um, once again, gentle reminder to please check out savagelosangeles.com to learn more about my new company that I'm so proud of. I hope it inspires you to create and cultivate a life that you dig. Um, and also, if you are down and have, you know, oh, I don't know, 10 seconds, then please, please give this podcast a five-star review on iTunes. Super easy. Just give it five stars. Maybe say a few kind words. And if you dug it, please share it with your friends. I would be over the moon with gratitude. Um, all right. You guys are the bee's knees. Much love. Stay savage. <laughs>